Father Ron and I had a chance to attend a couple years of seminary together at Holy Apostles in Connecticut. And there we had one of the best teachers I have had, other than my third grade teacher, I think, was a professor named Dr. Frola. And I just, I couldn't get enough of his classes. I, I just thought he was so amazing in how he explained things. And that's why on Saturday, I love when we have our talks on Saturday that I say it's taking you back to seminary because I, I try to summarize the best of what I've learned. Now, one of the classes Father Ron and I had there was called Christology, which is a study of Christ, both as God and man. It's an extensive, hugely detailed course. And I wanted to try to summarize some of the things that I learned in there from Dr. Frula, but it relates here to the Gospels. Let's first talk about this passage from Luke. Now, first of all, we, we are like the apostles. Um, we sometimes don't believe unless we see with our own eyes. You know, it's like Thomas. We're, we've all been there. Now, Two proofs here that Jesus gives that ends up being part of Christology is we ask, what are our bodies like after the resurrection? Well, nobody knows, Father. Actually, we do. Jesus gives us a hint. First, there's two, two proofs, if you will, that Jesus' body is real and not a ghost. He invites them to touch them, to touch him like he did with Thomas. Touch, feel, put your finger in my wounds. I'm real. So first he lets them touch him to see that he's physically real. And secondly, he eats in front of them. You ever wonder why it says in several occasions that he ate, like he was on the shore when Peter swam to him and they ate fish? This shows he's real. Now, the physical world could not limit him and his new glorified body. It's in scripture here, like he walks through the doors. Well, Father, how do you know at the end of the world we can walk through doors or after we die? Jesus shows us here. All right. The bodies of the just will be transformed. All right. To the pattern of the risen Christ. We will be like the risen Christ, like his body. Our resurrected bodies will be those of a person perfect. We will be in our prime. Yesterday, I did a talk called Death and What Happens at Death. And to be prepared, please be prepared. So we walk through with you. It's on our YouTube channel. What happens at death by church teaching. Now, I'm not, I didn't make anything up. What the church teaches happens at death, both our particular judgment and our general judgment and what we need to do to prepare. All right, so before we get this glorified body, and if you want to see more detail, again, you can see that on our YouTube channel. But we first go through immediately after our death a particular judgment where we see what our eternal fate will be, heaven or hell or a detour into purgatory. Ultimately, though, two destinations, heaven or hell. All souls that go to purgatory will eventually get to heaven. Now, 
In that particular judgment, we are spirit. Our soul has been separated from our body and we meet our Lord Jesus Christ and we are spirit. There we learn our eternal fate, heaven or hell, by way of purgatory sometimes. And we learn of the effect that our sin has had on ourselves and any purification or preparation that we must go through. But in that particular judgment, I don't know anything about you or others or those who have died before me or those who are still on earth. It's just my particular judgment. That is church teaching. That is in the catechism. And Paul says it in scripture, Hebrews. I think it was 927 that we will die once and then the judgment. That's our particular judgment. Now, a lot of people ask them, Father, what is this general judgment? Okay, every one of us will die. Everybody who's ever lived will die except the people who are living on earth when Christ comes again. They will not die. But we will all go through a particular judgment. Then when Christ comes again, the world will be called to the general judgment, where the whole world will be gathered in the valley of Jehoshaphat. I think it's Joel 3, 2, if I can remember. And they will be gathered and we will learn the fate and understand the entire plan of God for all salvation history. You ever say God's ways are not our ways? I don't understand why God would allow such evil. I don't understand why God would allow my son to be lost in an automobile accident. I don't understand this. It'll all be revealed at the general judgment. There you will be reunited with your body. In your body, you will be glorified. Those who are sentenced to hell by their own choices, not God. He doesn't condemn us. We choose it. They will be receiving darkened bodies, deformed bodies, animal-type bodies, the saints tells us. But those who are destined for eternal life, those who have lived a faith, will receive their bodies in a glorified state. And then it'll all be revealed to you about everybody else. You will be shown and told God will fill you with all the grace that you received and how you responded to it. That's why we need to keep coming to the sacraments. When we're given this grace, we need to respond to it. And so then at this general judgment, we will receive our bodies because we as humans are body and soul. Just a soul, we're incomplete. Just a body, we're incomplete. We were created to be body and soul. So at the general judgment, the body and your soul will come back together, but the body will be glorified. No longer sickness, no longer pain, no longer suffering. It'll be united and perfected. Now, at the general judgment, we will also see how our actions affected others throughout history. So not just at your particular judgment, how it affected you, but you will see at the general judgment, how it affected everybody else in this world. And that's a thought we should meditate on. If we have fallen away from our faith and not passed our faith on, for instance, we will learn that now our children suffered because we didn't pass them on the faith. And then their children suffered because they are, your children didn't pass their faith on to them. 
Now, don't panic. Don't despair. Don't get down. It's not too late. Well, Father, yes, it is. My children are grown. They're not practicing the faith. It's not too late. Have masses said for them. Pray for them. You can still say to the Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't live up to what I should have as a parent. But you know what, Lord? Please forgive me. And I'm going to try everything. I'm going to do penance and prayers for them. And maybe, just maybe, that's enough grace to still at their moment of judgment to help them say yes to God through your prayers now, even though we missed an opportunity of doing something earlier in our lives. We can see all of this, but do not fear. If we have faith, death is not something to fear. Death is something to, it's a change of state. It's not a, a time of the end of existence. It's a transformation. And so we enter into this change of state at death and our bodies will be joined together. So there will be the same body that you had in this earthly life. Yes, yes. But our resurrected bodies will not die again. They will not die. That's what made Jesus different from Lazarus. Lazarus resurrected, but he would, he would die again. Jesus will not, and we will not either. We will be freed from all suffering and pain and able to do all the things that Jesus could do with him. We will shine with a bright light in eternity. How much we reflected Christ on earth is how bright we will shine in heaven. Thomas, St. Thomas Aquinas, I learned this in my Christology class, said, man will rise again without any defect of human nature. Because as God founded human nature without a defect, even so will he restore it without defect. So in other words, we were created perfect. We got broken. Jesus fixed us. Now we will return to heaven fixed, repaired, and perfected again. It's that circle. We came from God. We got broken. Now we will be returning to God perfected. This is our body. So what will your body be like? Okay, we know this from scripture and from church teaching. I want to share this with you because I think it's very interesting. There are characteristics of our resurrected body. What will we be like in heaven? What will our bodies be like? How will it be? Here we go. First of all, there are seven characteristics that we will have in heaven. One, identity. We will get our body back, not somebody else's but it will be our body, but not exactly the same. Again, perfected, free of pain or defects. Now, second, integrity. All right, we will keep all parts of our body, even our intestines, right? This is why Jesus ate, okay? Food, although it is not necessary in heaven because our bodies will never die or decay, it will still be possible to eat. This is what Jesus showed us. Third, quality. All right, we have our, our resurrected bodies will have quality. Our bodies will be youthful. You've already heard that. Our body will be like it was at 33 years old. But wait a minute, my precious daughter died at age three. They say that she will have a body like she would have at 33, at the perfect age, right? Our bodies will be youthful because they will conform to Christ's glorified body. Now, here's what Thomas Aquinas said. Again, taking you back to seminary. Human nature has two defects. The first 
is that it has not yet achieved its ultimate perfection. This defect we find in children. Wait a minute, Father, you're saying children are defective? No, they've just not yet achieved their perfection. They're growing into it. Likewise, because it has already gone back from its ultimate perfection, there is defect found in the aged because they have passed that, def that perfect point. And since they have passed it, the perfection for them will be to return to that perfect youthful age. Now, here's something also interesting. Since gender is part of our human perfection, we will keep our gender. We might want to call our politicians on that one. Because when our politicians are telling us we can just arbitrarily change our genders, sorry, not going to be that way in heaven. You will be the gender that you were born. That is one thing that our politicians are missing. Other qualities such as height, hair color, and other diverse things will be retained. But they will not be how we judge each other. Nobody's going to say, gee, you are really overweight. <laughs> or gee, this or that. No, you will only be looked at by others in heaven by how bright a light you shine with. Which is how much you shined on earth with, with God, reflecting God. Now, the fourth, impassibility. What is impassibility? We will be immune from death and pain and suffering because that is a result of sin. Death, pain, and suffering come from sin. Sin has been conquered. Sin has been wiped away. It doesn't exist in heaven. Therefore, no death, no suffering, no pain. Next, fifth out of seven, subtlety. Our bodies will be free from things that restrain us now. The body will become perfected and conformed to the soul. Right now, our flesh rails against the spirit. We constantly fight against temptation, against concupiscence, against gluttony, against lust. Our flesh is raging against the spirit. In heaven, the soul, the spirit will have complete control over the flesh. It will no longer rail. All right, agility, sixth. What is that? Complete freedom of movement. We will not be constrained by space and time. That's why Jesus could walk through doors, appear here, appear there. Instantly, one part of the universe to the next. This is beautiful. The body is subject to the soul. So it can do, the soul can will it to do anything it wants. And finally, clarity. The glory of our souls will be visible in our bodies. We will be beautiful and radiant, as I said, reflecting an amount of light by which we were Christ-like in this earth. This is how we will be seen, not how tall, thin, short, fat, old, young. It, it doesn't matter in heaven. There will be no gossiping about the dress that such and such is wearing or no comparing to who's stronger than this other person. That's all left behind. Our bodies will be perfect. So I want to finish with one little statement that I mentioned yesterday that I thought was amazing. And I mentioned in the talk that we had a real 
tragedy and thank you for your prayers of a loss of one of our employer employees, Mark, not brother Mark. I know some of you had asked, but one of our employees, Mark. And his parents wanted to ask all you Miriam prayers, uh, Miriam helpers to pray for him, which you have done so beautifully so. And they wanted to know that there was hope that he's in heaven. And they wanted to know that he wanted us to let you know that he was struggling with things that maybe were out of his control, like Lyme's disease that had ravaged his body, had been through to his brain. And it caused him to perhaps make decisions that he would not have otherwise have made. And one tragic decision that the family is asking for prayers for is that he did, he did take his life. And the family asked for prayers because this decision was not who Mark was. It's not an indication. How Mark lived was what matters. How he portrayed Christ on this earth is what matters. How he lived is way greater than how he died. How he lived was love. He trusted in God's mercy. And they found a rosary in his hand when they found his body. But since we are talking about bodies, I wanted to finish with something that his family told me that they asked me to share at the funeral, and I did, and I'd like to share now. When I saw Mark in the casket, he was radiant. He had a smile on his face and his body looked perfect. There wasn't a mark on him, even though he had fallen to his death and from a height and fell. And the nursing or the um, funeral home director said, <clears throat> They've had funerals before for those who have fallen. <clears throat> and the body is always in a bad condition. Broken bones, blood. Mark didn't even have a scratch. He didn't even have as so much as a chipped tooth. There wasn't a single mark on Mark. There wasn't a single scratch. And the family believes, as I do too, that the angels caught him and cushioned him as he was making that transition through death. Of course, they didn't stop the fall. That's not their rule. He had made that decision and we pray, we know it wasn't him, but that's okay. We know God's mercy is greater. And what's more important for Mark, as I said, is how he lived, not how he died. But I felt it was so powerful when we are talking about in this passage, resurrected bodies, bodies that are perfected. And here Mark, seeing him, I was amazed. He was beautiful. He looked at peace. He looked perfect. Without a scratch after what his body had been through in a great fall seemed 
scientifically impossible to not have a mark. <clears throat> but he didn't. And so I think God has already prepared Mark for the time his body will be reunited with his soul. We will all face that time, but it seems that God's mercy has already pre-embraced Mark. Thank you for all your prayers. I believe wholeheartedly that the angels did catch him and did cushion his land. He still transitioned into eternity, but God was as gentle and merciful as he could be. Praise be God for his mercy, and may God's mercy be upon his family. And most of all, for the repose of his soul, we will miss him greatly. And I thank you very, very much for your prayers, for my mom, and especially for Mark and his family. This is a tough time, but we have hope. This is what being a Christian is all about. This is what following Jesus is all about. This is what being a Marian helper is all about. We pray for each other and know that I am praying for you. I read all your intentions. And today I offer the mass for all those who have read our book called After Suicide, that monthly I offer a mass and I wanna offer today's mass for all those who have written to us have gone to suicideandhope.com, entered in your loved ones. This mass is for all those who have taken their life, that God's mercy is greater, that God's mercy is there, and that we pray that they will all have eternal life, be reunited with their bodies, and share in that heavenly glory with all of us one day. If you have lost anyone, we're with you. Again, that's why a Marian helper is where God brought you. And so we pray today, especially for those that God's mercy may be upon them. And we believe and we hope, we have that confident hope that God's mercy is, and we know his greatest attribute. So God bless you, Mark. God bless your family. God bless you all our Marian helpers. And let us pray for all those, for God's mercy upon them as we have trust in you, Lord Jesus. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org.
Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.